Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Riley's turning into me. Now I know what Tutel used to feel like. Listen to Nuanez now. One stop shop for all things sports around the Treasure State each and every weekday. From 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Riley Corcoran in studio with me as he is each and every Tuesday. How you living, my man? Whew, long gonna, day, huh? It was a long day. Coming in hot this morning. Day got started about 7, and we've been uh, been running ever since. And I've been trying the whole time, and I know we're going to get into this. Been distracted by the national news, although I've been all over the place running from one thing to the next. But... Man, we've got a lot to cover today. Yeah, I, I do feel I want to put yourself in, you know, Ryan Tutel's shoes all those years. And number one, I walk right in the door. There's no way I'm going to miss you with that great bright orange <laughs> shirt and a nice haircut, too. Hey, Look at you, man. You're like a new guy. I lost at least 50 pounds by cutting my hair and trimming my beard for How the long first it been? How long had it been? I hadn't, actu- never- I hadn't actually done the buzz cut and the shaved face for, man, years. I have, But I hadn't done a full face shave since COVID started. So that's the... Uh, that's the beginning and the end of that. But for those that don't know, ESPN Radio is presented by the Missoula Broadcasting Company, which is locally owned and operated. And we moved right before the uh, wonderful pandemic hit. And so we are actually located over now on North Reserve. We're on Radio Way, which is right by uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, Home Depot, that little area. But I guess the point of me sharing that detail is that it's a little harder to get here, especially around the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Riley lives kind of in the middle of town, and, uh, you know, 20-minute window is a little hard, <laughs> but he's still on time, so he's still beating me. I would uh, I'd walk in about 4.02 sometimes with my good buddy Ryan Tutil, but... Regardless, I'm glad you're here, my hey, friend. I wouldn't miss this. There's no, there's no way. I, you know, about 3:54 though on that last light on Mullen Reserve. I'm thinking, come on. I was getting a little road yeah. rage. I, I felt like I was in L.A. driving my car. Ironic. <laughs> Got a lot to get to. I shouldn't laugh because we have to start out on a somber note, talking about Tiger Woods. That's what everybody's talking coast to coast. I'm not sure we're going to be able to enlighten you on very many details of the actual news of the day, which we will get to in just a moment. But I do want to have a discussion about Tiger Woods because. Uh, Riley and I are in the same age demographic, the same, uh, we came up in sort of the same element of pop and sports culture, and uh, I just think that Tiger Woods is is among the most fascinating characters in the history of, of our society, period, and I want to talk about some of that in, in, in stemming from the news of the day, 
Also, by the way, if you want to give us a call, 406-361-3688, that's 361-3688. You're going to want to remember that because around 4.30, as we do each and every Tuesday, we're giving you a Taglieri sandwich. I already ate it. I hate that I did this because I like showing it off to the camera, but I ate it because we had an impromptu press conference with Brent Vegan's new coordinators today. So got a chance to interview Taylor Housewright, uh, as well as Mr. Banks, the new defensive coordinator, and uh, we'll share those interviews a little later this week, but I had to kind of scramble with those. So I didn't, my lunch plans kind of got canceled. So then I was like, well, I got to get something in my belly. It's also, as we do uh, each and every Tuesday, we're going to have our Treasure State Stars. You already know one of them. It's definitely Alex Gerber, but we're going to talk a little bit of high school hoops from around the state and some high school girls wrestling because that just got wrapped up here uh, over the last weekend as well. Also going to share a little more sound from over the weekend and have a little discussion about the dichotomy between the University of Montana men's basketball team and the Montana State women's basketball team because I think there's several parallels, both historic and within the season because they're two of the youngest teams in the country. And one is a game outside of first place, and the other one is, is suffering through one of their worst seasons in program history. And I think that there's a lot of factors that go into all that. Top of the hour, uh, we're going to continue to talk spring football. We had a uh, fo- football conversation yesterday that sort of bled into today's show. So we're going to talk about it from a Big Sky perspective because a lot of teams around the FCS opened up last weekend. Big Sky Conference opens up this weekend. We also told you a couple of the national award winners from this last week, but we got a couple more to share. And then the polls are out from our friends over at 406mtsports.com, so I want to highlight just a couple teams from around the state, the area, and uh, western Montana, Montana as a whole, that are doing pretty darn well. Um, crazy to think that uh, Danny Sprinkle told me this today when I was interviewing him on the phone. By the way, Coach Sprinkle will join us as he does each and every Thursday, uh, this upcoming Thursday. But he was telling me the championship game at the Big Sky Tournament is 17 days from now. That's wild to even think about. I, I think we've been avoiding that day countdown because it's just like, all right, is this really happening? Is this really? For and, sure. and now all of a sudden, boom. I mean, we'll think about it. Not even that, but 11 days till the women's tournament starts. I mean, we're, we're there. We're, we are there for sure. And on that note, high school tournaments from around the entire state started this weekend. District tournaments. Jeez. So Class C, all, district tournaments are happening everywhere. So we'll get into that a little bit. In the second hour, we're going to have fun today. I promise this is going to be a good conversation, but we have to start out with very uh, somber news. There's only a few people. I'm not one that really is obsessed with celebrity or the news of celebrities' lives, but there are a few people that captivate me. And uh, when I got the news today that Tiger Woods was involved in a single-car accident near uh, Rancho Palos Verde, California, early in the morning, this morning, um, it was an unexplainable feeling because I've been obsessing over Tiger Woods as of late. I, I, I have been trying to explain to myself why I love Tiger Woods, even though I hate Tiger Woods for such a long time. And it was just such a, whatever the opposite of serendipitous timing, because I had watched the documentary, the HBO documentary, two different times in the last month. And I was so compelled by it that I bought Armin Katea's book and I started it. I got it last week, and I started it last night. The timing is so. I literally read wow. this book until one thirty in the morning. Stayed up way too late reading it, and then I wake up and Tiger is in a car wreck, and it was just like, "What is going that on?" That almost feel like Twilight. Zone. Exactly. Like what kind of what sort of thing is happening in the universe? But a release, uh, a statement from his agent, Tiger Woods' agent. Mark Steinberg. Tiger Woods was in a single car accident this morning in California where he suffered multiple leg injuries. He is currently in surgery, and we thank you for your privacy and support. Here's the key details you need to know. These are reported by ESPN National. According to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, crash took place a little after 7 a.m. Pacific time. It was a rollover accident. The uh, vehicle Woods was driving, traveling at very high speeds. He lost control of the vehicle before crossing the center of the divider. That's according to the Los Angeles Times. He was transported to the Harbor UCLA Medical Center by ambulance where they were treated for moderate to critical injuries, but he is in critical but not intensive care. So that is a good thing. The L.A. Sheriff's Department said that uh, the injuries are not life-threatening and that he was believed to be conscious when uh, he was removed from the SUV. That actually is, was something that was uh, talked about. That, that piece of news came out earlier today, and just in the last 15 minutes, um, I got my best reporter out there, my mother. Thanks, Mom. Uh, she texted me that uh, they have then since released a statement that um, Tiger Woods was conscious at the scene, and he was actually the one that called 911. So I think that's an excellent factor here. There's going to be 
so much speculation about this because one, Tiger Woods is one of the most transcendent, talented, popular, and famous people. I mean, honestly, in American history, and he also had such a unbelievable fall from grace that then resulted in one of the great comebacks that we've ever seen. He he is the perfect American story in his humble roots from multiple different ethnic backgrounds to rise up to become almost a messiah of sport to then have this crazy tragedy where he falls from grace and then to have the comeback. I mean, you literally couldn't write a movie better than Tiger Woods. No, and he was—he still is one of the most transcendent athletes of all time. And you just said people. And I think that the, the difference here is that there's people that follow sports and that understand the top golfers from year to year. But then there's people that don't follow sports that know who Tiger Woods no is. Question. And they're also obsessed with every detail that has come through it. He's been... A pillar of a lot of different things. When he came up, I I think there's a lot of things here. Number one, golf in general. He's the reason golf is what it is today. The sport of of being so popular and the age of where we're at in our generation. To put this in perspective, the year before Tiger Woods joined the PGA Tour, the entire purse for the entire tour was $27 million. The purse for the PGA Tour now is approaching $3 billion. So he has caused like... 10,000% 10,000% growth in the amount of money that these guys can garner. You used to never be able to win a million dollars playing a tournament. Now you win 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. If you win the FedEx Cup, $15 million in a tournament. And that is all because of Tiger Woods. How he all because grew, of He grew the game to what it is now. And to have his fall from grace, I still will say it. I will stand on this table. and It doesn't matter with what the news that came out today. His 2019 Masters win is the single greatest sports achievement and comeback story to me in my lifetime, period. And that's just over 30 years. So I think that is without debate. I mean, he, when you talk about all of the barriers that he just broke, man, coming up, do you yeah. talk about the, the his upbringing and, and his uh, mixed background to have what he did and to have the spotlight on him? And I think this is something that we can absolutely get into for how good he has been and how much he has been in the spotlight, he's a guy that doesn't like the spotlight. Exactly. But he, there's no other choice but to embrace it as much as he can. If it's up to him, he wouldn't do a dang thing as far as he doesn't want to let people in. But he is this person that so many people follow that it just is what it is. I think that's a fascinating concept to all of him. People that have ever been around me or watched sports with me, they realize that I've become such a hardened and soulless journalist in the fact that I have very little rooting interest. And I get asked all the time, watching any sport, particularly ones I cover. Especially and, here. I mean, everybody always wants to know who you going for, Cats or the Grizz. You know? And I, I'm not, I literally, I promise you, I seriously, I'm not making this up. I'm not going for anybody. I'm only going, I'm only rooting for the good stories. I have very little interest left in the national sporting scene in terms of rooting interest. I just like good games. I, I root for close games. I root for good stories to prevail. I root for athletes that I like. I guess the point of it is that I actually want to embrace the positivity that sports bring. I don't really ever enjoy rooting against people. There's only a few villains that I like rooting against. And even if it is a Tom Brady, I still love the fact that he exists, even though I don't particularly enjoy him personally because he's a great villain, right? And I, I've, I've talked about this. You're a baseball guy. I've talked about this in baseball frequently. I think that one of the, I used to be the biggest baseball fan you ever knew, and I'm starting to get back into it. But one of the biggest things that I think baseball used to have that it doesn't have nearly as much anymore was the wonderful villains. I mean, baseball had some of the greatest villains of all time. Everybody the, likes each other now. Uh, exactly. I mean, give me another Albert Bell. Give me another Roberto Alomar. Give me another Barry Bonds. I love guys like that. It's great to have the dichotomy of, you know, for every Sammy Sosa, you need to have an Albert Bell. You absolutely do. But this brings me to then Tiger Woods. When Tiger first burst on the scene, first of all, I think that he captivated the imaginations of America because we want to anoint prodigies and we want to declare genius when people are really young. And so often because of the hyper spotlight that puts them under, it then in turn causes them to not live up to our expectations. And then therefore we criticize them to the point where they weren't good enough for us. Tiger Woods fully exceeded every expectation anybody could have ever had for him when he was 20 years old. He went and he destroyed the most prestigious golf tournament that man has ever created 
won it by more than 10 strokes, shattered the scoring record by more than eight strokes. When he was 20, he wasn't even old enough to drink. The fact that he and his dad both prophesied this, and then he went out and did it, but then also then he went out and completely dominated the game for such a long period of time, it is a one-of-a-kind phenomenon in, in America. It is one-of-a-kind. Tell me someone that's going to do it again. No, even get and, close. And we're not talking about golf. We're talking about sports. Yeah. Like, LeBron James was a prodigy as well. But LeBron James, he had to lose and lose and lose and lose before he could finally attain the crown that he could finally be the king he was the once and future king tiger was the king the day he won the masters and king because he is in a solo sport like right. lebron lebron is lebron right totally but, but that's a team sport it takes a lot of other you can rely on anthony davis to carry right. you through when you have a bad day when you're a golfer you have one bad hole it could yep. screw your whole tournament let alone one bad day everything in between it's all on him for sure and, and the fact that Nike had already locked onto this guy, that the the promotions of Tiger Woods were so in-depth and widespread. There, there had never been, to my knowledge, a Madison Avenue-type corporate promotion with an endorsement-level athlete like Tiger Woods that then straight pulled the race card intentionally and made a young man have to shoulder that burden, and they did. There was the most famous Nike ad that's ever been made for Nike Golf. It's the very first one with Tiger Woods. And he's walking down the course. And the 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 text just says, you've probably never seen anybody like me on a course like this. You've probably never heard of me, but you're going to remember me forever. And then it just says, just do it. And it, just amazing. So all of that makes the star that Tiger Woods is. But then even the whole time when he was at the absolute peak of his powers, I was simultaneously obsessed with Tiger Woods, the athlete, and so fascinated while also not really liking Tiger Woods, the guy. You're so spot on when you say he doesn't like, he, he absolutely deplores the spotlight because this is the way he was created. And so I, I, I long had wondered, why do I fully root on this guy that I don't like? It's a dichotomy within my own brain. But then I watched that documentary and I realized it's because of the my fascination for the psychological experiment that Tiger Woods is. To come from a multiracial background and to come from uh, a little bit less than most people that grow up playing golf come from, to have a crazy father who basically declares you as a messiah, not just a prodigy. I mean, he said he was going to have more of an impact than Jesus Christ and Mahatma Gandhi in that famous Sports Illustrated article in the 1998 Sports Illustrated. And so then, so then to be made into this creation and this basically machine, but then to still punch through the glass ceiling and be better than anybody ever thought. I mean, okay, so I'm, I'm going to take a break for a second here. Is, is Tiger Woods the greatest athlete of all time? Yes. Because I think it's not even close. Yes. We were arguing about this the other day. Yeah. Because somebody was arguing Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. No. See, Tiger Woods, he dominated his sport to such an unbelievable level that he truly changed the entire makeup of the sport. Not just minorities being able to go to country clubs. They started redesigning courses and clubs completely and utterly different because of one guy. And the popularity of the game. I mean, it grew so exponentially that you can't even put a number on it. And and the fact that he has been in the spotlight for 22 years, and even more that, 22 years in between Masters wins. You talk about that epic 97 win. Well, then 2019. I mean, that's a, a huge gap to always be in the spotlight. And I think when you talk about Tiger, you have to break it down into really three parts. Okay, you've got right. Tiger up and comer from when his dad declared him to be a prodigy, the Messiah, to his dominant run, I would say, to begin when he won the match, when he started dominating the golf world, to then the fall from grace. Because you talk a lot about villain and, and if if people were rooting for him or against right. him. When you're the best at what you do, sure. it's either one or the other. There's no one in between going, yeah, whatever about Tiger. It's either I'm a Tiger fan or no, I want him to lose. It's one of those two things. And to me... You had Tiger fans before, and I was one of those people, no sure. matter what. And the fall from grace, the people that thought of him as a villain were happy. Or, or in the sense of, ah, see, no one's invincible type thing. I feel, and I'm curious where you stand, like when you started rooting for him again or whenever it might be, because his comeback, part three, is completely different. Exactly. He is not the arrogant guy on the golf course anymore. He is... He's welcoming other young golfers in. Yep. Then he's winning. And now it feels like to me during this comeback, the last couple years of this era, you have almost everybody rooting for him when during his normal run, I don't think that was the case. Man, there's so many factors that go in, into that. You're listening to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. 
The news of the day, Tiger Woods in a single car accident this morning on his way to the airport in Southern California. High speed, a cause. It was a rollover. They needed to use the jaws of life to get him out of the vehicle. He's in the hospital. I'm not sure the update yet. We'll give you an update at the break here. But uh, his injuries not life-threatening. He did have to have surgery. It's moderate to severe lower leg injuries. So we'll see where we go from there. We're talking about just the phenomenon that is Tiger Woods. Any update? There was a couple updates here that the, the Jaws of Life was used all day long. And then in the latest update in the last half hour, they said the Jaws of Life weren't needed. It's all technicalities, but they had sure. to bust out the windshield to get him. Oh, Regardless, okay. he had to be extricated from his car. But it wasn't the Jaws of Life. And number two, there was a report out there that both of his legs had fractures. Okay, right. so we're there's two honestly, parts. Honestly, of, honestly, that's a best. That's a good. It's a good thing compared to what could happen. It absolutely is. There's a couple good things here, and there's the, and let's call it straight. It's all bad news, it's all right? Bad news. But when we're comparing it, number one, he was conscious enough to call. That yeah. proves because hey, we all know what happened in the, in the other car incident that has happened with him with prescription drugs or whatever it might be. Well, that's a good sign. Number one. Number two with it is that fractured legs, everything that comes in between, that it's not life-threatening, that he's still able to talk through it. I mean, worst-case scenario, you know, you're still talking. And I remember when you texted me earlier, it was more of a, okay, I hope I hope he can still walk again and walk out of the hospital. So I think we're more kind of focusing on the injuries. Again, it's all bad news. More info is going to come out. I think a press conference just happened. But the good news is, again, that he was conscious. Maybe a fracture to both legs is what first came out. But... Goodness, so hopefully it's only that. News update there. Did you just tell the press conference, thank you, mother, for texting me this. The jaws of life not used. They used some tools to get him out of the car. There was no evidence of impairment. That's also good news. Huge. Coming down a steep grade with curves, no skid marks. So basically, I think he just hit a blind corner, hit a curb, a tree, several rollovers. Whether or not a factor, he was conscious, able to talk. He was the one that called 911. The only fire department was the first at the scene. Uh, they assessed his serious leg injuries to both legs because of being uh, extricated. He was taken to the trauma hospital. He's considered in serious but not critical and intensive condition. Uh, leaving his hotel on the way to meet uh, two QBs to give golf lessons. Wow! So he was. This is unbelievable. So he. This is this is a new detail now emerging. He was going to give Drew Brees and Justin Herbert a golf lesson. You've got to be kidding. On on the note of Tiger becoming way more humanized and social, yeah. though. Last week, the first thing that popped up when I heard about this on Twitter, or when I heard about this in general, I looked on Twitter. The first thing that popped up was Tiger Woods giving a golf lesson to Dwayne Wade. So I think this is new, his new thing is just hanging out with guys and kind of teaching them how to golf. Well, think about it. His last three days, right? He hosts the Genesis Invitationals for his Tiger Woods Foundation, which, again, we could we could spend all show on what he's done from that impact of it. So Sunday he does an on-course interview. Yeah. Then Monday he's golfing with Dwayne Wade and David Spade right. because those videos came out today. Right. They just got released a little bit. And then to hear that he was going to play with Drew Brees and Justin Herbert. I mean, what a three-day run, but it also goes to show you the difference in Tiger Woods from before to now. And I will say this, the road that he was on, I have actually driven that road as wow. well. And it wow. is windy. Yeah. It is one that is normally... You might hear revving of engines of guys that try and speed through sure. it a little bit. It's a very dangerous stretch of road, and I can see why. I mean, miss a corner. It looked like he hit the curb and then ran into a sign, went into the, the hillside, and then rolled over a couple times. And if you look at the, the vehicle, it's right. frightening to yeah, look at. For sure, absolutely. I started reading Armand Katea's book about... Uh, Jeff Benedict and Armand Katea both wrote the book. They're the co-authors of The System, if you haven't read that, which, by the way, that's your next one on your reading list because Good. you'll love it. It's all about the ins and outs of, of college football and uh, some of the less savory parts of the power five. Can you give me a book list here for between oh, now yeah. and football? I need it, and especially you know, going to Pocatello. I know there's a lot to do in Pocatello, but I, <laughs> I might have some downtime here this week. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so um, they, they talk so much in, in this book about – the, the star that was Tiger Woods, but also just the way that he was made, the background of of all of it. And one detail that they reveal very at the in the prologue of the book is that because of the order of his father and mother, since he was 17 years old, almost every person that's ever gotten close enough to Tiger Woods for his parents to acknowledge that they have a relationship has to immediately sign a non-disclosure confidentiality agreement that they will never talk about Tiger Woods. 
That's why it's been so hard. That's why this documentary that just came out was the first of its kind when he's been in the public eye for 25 years. That's why this book, I mean, he's there's been a couple books written, Hank Haney's book, when Hank Haney was a swing coach and then wasn't a swing coach. I don't know if you've read it. It's it's intriguing to get into the mind of what it's like to coach Tiger Woods, but it's also a straight hatchet job because these guys didn't have a good relationship. Hank Haney got fired, and then Hank Haney wrote an expose about Tiger basically just ripping him. Yeah, I am hesitant to go there because, you know, there's a little axe to grind or there's a little bit where you're not getting the raw emotion of it all. So I think that, I mean, this... This becomes must-read all of a sudden, too, and must-watch material when it comes to Tiger and the people that have honestly chronicled his journey because the fact that not everything was out there for... I mean, just like you said, with the non-disclosure agreements, that's unheard of. It's unheard of. I mean, that's crazy. It's unheard of. So this brings me all the way full circle to how I, I kept trying to wrap my mind around why do I like this guy because I don't. But when but, did you start rooting for him on the golf? Well, so I, I rooted for him from day one. Okay, because okay. I, his, the, the star that he was, it was so compelling. And Tiger, when he's in the mode of being just the 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 machine, when he's that chasing just, that ball in, I mean, when he's me. just a sinner incinerating people, and you have grown men just melting on the golf course, they can't even compete with him. And you have these masses of people. It's almost like he's a cult leader as he's walking up the fairway. Hundreds of thousands of people are chasing him, and it's just so unbelievable to watch but then you'd watch his press conferences and he's so robotic and it always seemed like he was hiding something and then we found out he was hiding everything but then I really came full circle after I watched this documentary and started in on this book to realize that he he is simply at the same time one of the most gifted people that we've seen come into the into humanity in the in the modern generation to be sure and maybe ever but also he had parents that not only nurtured that, but also utterly exploited it. And Tiger lived in a one-star universe. And when that star, his father, died, he went completely off the rails. And I started thinking about it last night. It reminds me so much of the Mike Tyson story. Mike Tyson was nothing but, I mean, Mike Tyson was a homeless petty thief with no parents, an orphan, and he was arrested 60 times by the time he was 15 years old. And finally, he wanders into a boxing gym that was set up from his probation officer to try to get him some sort of outlet, and he meets Customato. And Customato turns him into, my opinion, the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. But then what happens to Mike Tyson? Customato dies. Mike Tyson spends an entire year in Japan doing cocaine instead of training for the Buster Douglas fight. He gets knocked out by Buster Douglas. Within three years, he's in prison. Within five years, he spent every dollar he ever made. And within 10 years, we think he's dead. Talk about a resurrection story. Wow. Mike Tyson has one of the great resurrection stories of any person that's ever that, that we've ever seen in sports. But I thought of that same way with Tiger Woods. If you are, if you have intrinsic gifts, also intrinsic narcissism, and you have this unbelievable center of your universe that controls all of your actions, when that person's gone, it's almost impossible to keep it between the ditches. Well, and especially when you become that high profile that you just referenced with Tiger and Tyson, everything exactly. in between is the trust factor. You don't trust anyone. Anybody. And for Tiger, just to single back on that, I would say the only person he probably trusted for a while was his dad. I'm sure his mom as well. But you get to that point where that's why that helps explain the person that Tiger is. He's still reluctant to let people in. He absolutely is because it was one singular figure that was, when he rose into the person that he was, it was one person he trusted for all intents and purposes, his dad. And that's the most chilling part of the documentary is when they go into all of the sins of Earl Woods' life when Tiger was growing up and how much Tiger hated it when his dad drank and when his dad left the country club with other women that weren't his mother and how he just despised and deplored those things about his dad. But then how when the trauma hit his brain, he all of a sudden regressed to reliving the sins of his father to make his father live forever. Like what a profound Man. psychological hurdle that is. And I mean, Man, as somebody that's lost my father, I can totally commiserate with that, too, because it's just such an unbelievable moment. And I think that is exactly why Tiger Woods has gotten more rope and more of a second chance. Although, And that's the thing. I say he's gotten more leeway, but in fact, he hasn't because he got crucified within the public eye more than anybody since who? I mean, since like the Kennedys? I mean, in terms of the the... 
the revelations of his personal life the that details. should have, that should have been private. I mean, he he got re- running over the coals more than anybody. That said, though, I think that we have given Tiger Woods chance after chance after chance because we anointed him as a genius, and we want to believe his brilliance is real. And the fact of the matter is, no matter what's ever happened to him, he's continued to prove it over and over and over again. And it's way too early to tell, but if for some reason there's any chance the doctors say, you can golf again, I bet she's going to try. I mean, absolutely. He is one win away now. Not that numbers matter at this point. In in every conversation I've been able to hear from today, and and I echo this, I'm sure you do too, golf is the furthest thing that we're even thinking about with him. First off, hopefully he's okay. I mean, as far as in the future. But he's got 15 majors, and he's dead tied right now all time with Sam Snead for 82 wins. And I'm sure he doesn't chase numbers too much, but one more I think would have probably done it. We're coming back and winning the Masters and coming back and breaking Sam Snead, winning 83 PGA Tour events. Those are probably two of his benchmarks. So, again, health in general to see if he's going to get wheeled out or walked out of the hospital in a couple days, that is primary number one. But number two down the road, if we ever see him again or if we don't, and I think that that's why and there's a lot of reasons why this news is polarizing today. But I think for the first time since... The fall from grace, you're asking yourself, are we going to see Tiger Woods on the golf course ever again? A lot more to come of this. I have a itch, I have an inkling feeling we're going to be talking about this for quite some time. But as of now, Tiger Woods, it looks like, is uh, in okay condition, although he is still at uh, Harbor UCLA Medical Center in Los Angeles, moderate to critical injuries. We'll have updates for you throughout the show on Nuwana as now as the news continues to trickle in on that. But we're going to go to a little more uh, happy note here, and we're going to talk a little college hoops. We're going to hear from um, Cam Parker and Josh Bannon, as well as Tori Martell on the other side. You're listening to Nuwana as now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. And you give me What do we got going on there? Reese Reese must have missed Valentine's Day. We're going back. <laughs> we're going back in time a couple weeks. I like it. We can you can always play us some slow jams, Reese. We appreciate it. Listen to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. I gotta tell you, I got a full belly right now because I already ate my Tagliari sandwich. So that basically, you know what I think it is? It's because I, I showed up a couple minutes before the show today. You kind of it was kind of punishment. Like, no, nah, dude, I'm gonna eat your sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of worked. I was out running behind. I had an impromptu press conference. We'll share some stuff uh, from that press conference a little later on uh, this week. Um, it was with Montana State's new coordinators. Um, so it was fun catching up with both of. Uh, Taylor Housewright and Freddie Banks. I have to tell you that it was a transcendent moment. Not transcendent. That's the wrong word. It was a bizarre moment for me because um, Riley understands this as well. When you it, when you work in the media, believe it or not, and I think you, everybody out there listening to this show believes it. The, the positions that Riley and I both have are are uh, are pretty like. How do you say this? They're pretty big time just in terms of when you're a young journalist. Like a lot of times when you're a young journalist, you got to start out grinding, like covering really small high school sports and stuff. And so the fact that Riley and I both got to be able to cover like University of Montana, Montana State at a pretty high level when we were really young, 
it's very interesting because you get this interesting dichotomy where all the coaches you're dealing with are literally old enough to be your dad. And so they're like, who are these kids that are around us covering us? They learn to trust you and like you pretty quickly as long as you're a professional. But it still is like what sort of historical or institutional knowledge can this 25-year-old kid have, you know? But at the same time, you're very close to age and the players. And that's a huge advantage because you can you just can know these guys and like you know you run into them. You can relate. You can relate. You 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 know. You, I mean, when I was super young covering the beaten bulls, but it's like I mean, we're hanging out the same girls, you know. So <laughs> yeah. so you know, it, it, there's a little bit of of uh, sources. You, say. Have, you have to tread uh, lightly for sure. But I had an interesting deal today in the the uh, press conference with new offensive coordinator Taylor Housewright from Montana State, as well as new defensive coordinator Freddie Banks. Both these guys are younger than me, so that was a that was a first for me where I'm interviewing. So, core, I guess Matt Miller is younger than me, but he's like boy genius prodigy, you know. So that was, and I'd also known Matt since he was a kid because he played against my brother. They're the same age in, in all sports. But it was a weird deal. So because of that, though, that's why you went and got that's shaved right, up so you right, could use the right. look younger. So sidebar. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sidebar continue. Uh, but it, w- it was just interesting doing the uh, the Zoom with those guys. And, you know, it is fun, though, when you start to do really gain some institutional knowledge and you, you drop, you know, you can say this guy's name, that guy's name. Like Freddie Banks, for example, the new D.C. at MSU, he played for a year when Mike Bresky was the secondary coach there. I thought that was a fascinating overlay because Bresky has been in and out of the state of Montana many times. He's now in the Big Sky Conference still with Idaho. And he's a guy that a lot of people know his name. So it's just funny to be able to ask the guy, you know, oh, I know Mike Bresky. I covered Mike Bresky back in the day when he was here at Montana the first time around. And now you're, you know, you played for him at NDSU. So regardless, we'll share some of that earlier on today. But because of that press conference, which didn't get scheduled until today, I had a little bit of an interruption in my schedule. So I already ate my delicious Tagliari sandwich. Uh, I got the Pretender today. It's fresh mozzarella, tomato, basil, and marinated onions. It's delicious. You're going to want to try one. We're going to continue to try sandwiches on Tagliari Tuesday. I won't leave you hanging next time, Riley. I know you're probably pretty hungry. But Tagliari Deli is located at 1433 South Higgins Avenue. Excuse me. Gosh, if I could talk. 1433 South Higgins Avenue. It's right there on the corner of Beckwith and Higgins, right by the roundabout. They're doing to-go orders. They're doing takeout. So 406-830-3049. That's 830-3049. And you can order any of their sandwiches or their charcuterie plates. You can go in there, get a um, bottle of wine, some custom pasta, whatever you might need. And we are going to help you try it. If you tried it already, you're going to, I guarantee you're going to be blowing up the phone line right now because you're going to want it again if you haven't tried it you're going to want to call us number two caller right now 361-3688 that's 361-3688 got a $25 gift card to Tagliari Delicatessen the best sandwiches in the city of Missoula it is Tagliari Tuesday each and every Tuesday right here on Nuanez now here's what we're going to do I have a couple pieces of sound to play and then I have a couple questions for Riley, I have a discussion I'd like to have. So first, we're going to hear about five minutes from University of Montana freshman Josh Bannon and junior Cam Satterite. If you're wondering whose voice is who, the guy talking in an Australian accent is Josh Bannon. The other is Cam Parker. The guy talking like Mr. Smooth is Cam Parker. (laughs) So here is a couple of University of Montana men's basketball players after their 90-76 to loss to Eastern Washington on Saturday. Uh, I would say just getting stops in general. I felt like our transition defense was a little bit better, but they were still kind of getting anything they wanted. Uh, I think someone said the score at the end of the game was the exact same score as the as our very first game we played. So, I mean, I don't know if you could really call that a lot of improvement, but it seemed like they just got anything that they wanted. Like Aiken, 28, Meadows, 20, Tanner Gross, 14. That doesn't seem like a lot of restriction right there for those guys. So, and they're a good team. You can't let a good team get going early. We only had three points in the first media. That doesn't help. You, Josh. Um, I know kind of a silver lining for you guys is you had a pretty good game. I think um, I haven't looked at the sheet, but I think you had like sixteen or eighteen points, right? Something like that. He had twenty. He had twenty and nine. So, you know, looking at, you know, the, the positive aspects of that, you know, how do you sort of like take that good and reflect on that as you guys move forward in the final home stretch? Um, it's not about any sort of one individual. I think as a team, we just got to continue to get better. Obviously, like we improved in some areas today. 
Um, other areas, we still got to improve. They're a good team, but we just got to continue to grow in these next four games heading towards the tournament. In particular, I mean, there's obviously a lot you could look at, but where, where are the biggest points of emphasis for growth for you guys right now? Look, defensively, when you give up 90 points, there's a lot of a lot of issues. Um, particularly guys, we're just letting get into a rhythm early. Um, we need to be a bit more disruptive on the defensive end. I would say rebounding, too. Rebound. You know, with Stead gone, like, we just got a lot shorter. So when, we, when coach plays three guards and stuff like that, just getting rebounds and, you know, not being liabilities out there on defense, I would say. For for either of you guys, I mean, this is the first time that you've played Eastern, and you know they've they've lost to Montana in some big games, and and they've you could tell that there's some some pent up you know emotions for them in in facing you guys. Like, could you guys feel that? And what's it like when a lot of you guys haven't faced them, but they definitely have been wanting to try and beat you guys? Well, obviously, like in both games, they came out very aggressive. Um, but regardless of who we play, we have to treat every team with a certain amount of respect, and we are, it's on us to be better early in the game. we got to come out and fight for a full 40 minutes, and we, hadn't, we haven't done that the past couple of games. Yeah, and I'd say now, like, <clears throat> most of the teams that we play, I feel like they're all the same. Like, everyone wants to be Montana. Like, we have a target on our back. Like, Coach Chab told us that after the game, but it's hard, like, you know, being the new guys and then coming into a place where the target is already on their, on our back, but everyone is ge- getting geared up to play us. But honestly, I feel like that would uh, be more of a bigger thing if, like, the crowd was there and stuff like that. Like, maybe, like, if we were at Eastern Washington, maybe we weren't used to, like, you know, the noise, stuff like that. But with no crowd, every team's kind of the same at this point. <laughs> at this point, is it maybe just a uh... – Hey, you know, remember how how bad it feels to lose, and and just you know hold on to that and, and use that as as you know motivation moving forward, and, and hope to never you know feel that you know stuff like this again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we don't have any seniors. There's nobody that's not going to be here next year, you know, to our knowledge so far. But uh, we'll definitely we definitely remember everything that everyone says to us, coaches, players, stuff like that. So uh, within the next two years, you know. We'll definitely be ready, but we're not overlooking the season at all either. We still have a, a long way to go. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And last one for me, Josh, for you, like it was such a clunky start and you could pick up two fouls within a minute. You know, how hard is it to get a game started and into a rhythm when it when there's like, you know, there's just a ton of whistles to start? Oh, that's that's on me. I gotta play with my hands out. Uh, I put my hands in there on that first one and you know. I, I got to be better than that. Getting two fouls on a possession, that's just not smart basketball start of the game. Um, so, like, I just got to be better, but it's getting into a rhythm. Like, you just put put yourself out there with the team. You just focus on team success rather than an individual. And then, like, it shouldn't – getting into a rhythm is no problem. And he kept a good attitude all game. He could have had the two fouls and, you know, went over there and sold and made it about him, but – you still stay positive, and uh, I think that's contagious when you go back out on the floor already having a good attitude. And so just, all right, how am I going to try to get mine since I missed my minutes? There you go, University of Montana men's basketball player. Before I ask this question, we're going to hear from Tori Martell. Tori Martell is the only senior for the Montana State women's basketball team. She drilled a three-pointer with less than a second to play to force overtime against Idaho State, and then she scored Nine points in the overtime period to lift Montana State to an 88-81 overtime victory over the first place team in the Big Sky Conference. Here's Tori Martell. Coach Ben just drew up the play. I think we actually executed the plays. People set good screens, and I felt a little bit open, and I just shot it. I don't really remember where I shot I mean, I knew where I shot it, but I just kind of tucked it and wished for the best. But I don't know. I still feel like I that didn't really happen, but it was really exciting, and I'm glad it did. <laughs> And you know Idaho State, they they came back there in the in the fourth and third quarters. Just you know, what do you think was the difference compared to you know how dominant you were in the in the first half? Um, I think we kind of got away from what we were doing in the first half. We were really moving the ball, getting open shots, and we kind of once they started coming back, we kind of froze a little bit and went back to like our old habits of kind of just not doing what we do and not doing like sharing the ball like we usually do when we get our open shots. And I think we finally got back to that and the. Um, and there, and we pulled it out. 
And at the end of the re- of regulation, can you just kind of describe the exhilaration after you make a shot like that and just how good that feels to provide that for your teammates? Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting, but uh, there's still 0.6 seconds left, and all I could think of in my head is that they could still win. So I just wanted to get that 0.6 seconds over so we could go into overtime. But, no, it was very exciting. All my teammates were obviously very excited, and that just is like a fun atmosphere to play in. <laughs> And overtime, uh, you know, what went right there to just kind of take control from the very beginning, really? Yeah, um, I knew it was, a, I don't know, I just was feeling a little hot and I just was taking it to uh, taking it to the basket, shooting my shot, and my teammates were finding me, making good passes, and yeah, we were working together. You guys, it seems like you're, this team, your team continues to build confidence as the year has gone on. Mm-hmm. How much does this then just reinforce the progress that you've made? Because you just beat the first place, place team in the league. Yeah, it's huge. I think after Thursday's game, we were a little discouraged, but we knew we could beat them. We knew we were if we had played our game and moved the ball and just played like we had been in the past few weeks that we could beat them. And I think, I mean, we made mistakes tonight, but ultimately we showed it and we showed how much we wanted it. At the end, we were like, this is all going to come down to how much we want this and the fight that we put into it. So... I think we did that, and we showed how much we want it, and we proved that we could be the best team in this conference. It's a very unique thing. You're listening to Nuanez now, by the way. That was Tori Martell from the Montana State women's basketball team. This day and age, I think that the line between being confident and cocky is such a fine one. And I think that the way that, that coaches profess and preach and instill that both internally and then the way they verbalize it to the public, is also a very interesting factor. After the South Dakota State game against Montana State, which Montana State lost, Treasure Bidford said, frankly, I believe that my team has the talent to be the best team in the Big Sky Conference. I believe that we have the talent to win the league. Will we, though, has nothing to do with our talent, has everything to do with us respecting the process, continuing to hone our chemistry, and getting better. But I thought that was a great thing for her to say just in terms of instilling confidence in her young team. A lot of times, though, you say stuff like that, and it gives your team false illusions. It gives them false sense of, of uh, arrogance. And so it, it's sort of a, a fine line. That's here nor there, though. That was just to recap Tori Martell talking about how they, they, it really was a breakthrough for Montana State to beat Idaho State and really prove that they are one of the elite teams in the conference. My question for you, Riley, though, is twofold. I think that the overlay between the Montana State women's basketball program and the Montana men's basketball program. And we're talking about in the last five, or I'm talking five-year sample size because these are not comparable programs when you talk about the true history of the program. I mean, the University of Montana men's basketball team has been to the big, been to the NCAA tournament 13 times. They've won the regular season, what, I think 15? They, they, are, they are the premier program in the league. They've had almost, almost double digits in coaches that have gone from Montana to great heights in, in the coaching ranks and so I'm not saying that Montana State is anywhere close to Montana in terms of the overall prestige and tradition of their program. But in the last five or six years, they have been the premier programs in the league under their current head coaches, Travis DeCure at Montana, Trisha Binford at Montana State. Trisha Binford, as you know, because you were the play-by-play person for Montana State there uh, during the middle part of the Trisha Binford era, uh, the Bobcats were really bad when Trisha Binford took over because it was a full total rebuild then they were pretty just okay for a long period of time. And then in a year that was a contract year where Trisha Binford, it was a make-or-break year. They had to have it. They won 19 games, and it was a good season, and they went to the WNIT. They, she got a contract extension and a big raise, and it was a reinvestment by the school. And since then, they've been building this, and they have then somehow – well, not somehow. I think there's a lot of very tangible and defined factors of how, but they have become the premier program in the Big Sky Conference. They are now gunning for uh, their fourth title, their fourth regular season title in the last six years. Uh, they did get knocked out of the tournament a couple times, so they didn't. They've only had the one NCAA tournament bid under Benford, but the fact that they had five seniors that set a league record with 19 wins a season ago, and were on an absolute mission to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, then to graduate those five seniors, have the disappointment of not being able to finish that chapter, and then come into this year with the statistically, Corey DeKenpom, youngest team in the United States of America, the fact that they are even in the top half of the league, let alone a game behind a first-place Idaho State squad... Who they just beat. ...is amazing. And so I guess the, the question is, 
And I know what my answer is to this, but I want to know your thoughts on the factors. Montana University of Montana men's basketball team has graduated, I think, eight, seven or eight like really premier players over the last couple of years, including some of the great players in school history. Montana State went through that same thing. But you have these two programs where one is having a struggle like they haven't had in decades, and the other is not even missing a beat. Why? L- loaded question. First it is off. a loaded, loaded question. question. I think that the I think I mean there's one obvious answer. There's just a lot more pressure on the Grizz. Yes, absolutely. There, the Bobcats were playing with house money, and and I think because they're playing with house money, they're just having more fun than anybody else in the, else in the league. Expectations, exactly. I think expectations is if I had to give you a one word answer, it would be the expectations there. Despite all of this turnover, the Montana men were still picked second in the preseason poll, they were. and and that was. A far cry from what was reality, I would sure. think. Montana State, and I also want to give props here to the way that Coach Binford has built that program. Because I, I think if I had to expand a little bit more on this answer, it's role definition. Because yes. you have heard it so many times from Travis DeCure this year. And trust me, getting the inside look at that squad and watching them play courtside for 23 games now, you catch common themes. And... I think the role definition for what Montana State women have right now is so incredibly impressive. You talk yeah. about the five seniors and them leaving, but guess what the players that are doing right now? They were learning from those five seniors. They were either redshirting or taking their roles. For the Grizzly team right now, you got to look at their core that they have, okay? They've got one guy. His name's Mac Anderson. Cam Parker transferred in. The three sophomores that are not that core trio of Kyle Owens, Derek Carter Hollinger, and Josh Vasquez. They weren't normal freshmen. They came in last year and broke a school record for starts by freshmen collectively between the three of them. They weren't in a role where it was like, hey, you're going to sit down here and you're going to watch Ahmad Rory, Michael Guine, and Saeed Pridget. And you are going to watch Ahmad Rory go from a sophomore that didn't really know his role to becoming arguably the best player in the league. You are going to watch, maybe more importantly, Mike Ogine take a step back for the greater benefit of the team. Saeed Pridget, you could have been the all-time leading scorer here, but because you took a secondary role or you accepted your role as a freshman or a sophomore, you turned into one of the best players in program history, and that was the reason why Montana was able to go to two NCAA tournaments. To me, it's it's role definition. Yep. There, there's yep. just nothing that's there. I mean, when you compare these two programs, yep. that's all it is. Montana State women, they can go 11 deep. You touched yep. on it yesterday, and number 11 is ecstatic. If she can score three points in yep. eight minutes, and their team wins. And that's exactly right. And that's why I didn't want it to be a loaded question, because I really do think that it is twofold. I think it's... It's the the differences in the games, in, in the men's and women's game, because Darian White's the best point guard in the league, period. It's really hard to be the best point guard in the league in a mid-major league like the Big State Conference when you're a sophomore. Not even Ahmad Rory was when he was a sophomore, and he became one of the best point guards in the history of the school. So, But you can be the best in the league by a lot right away. You can have freshmen and sophomores contributing at a really high level because they're not going to get bullied physically. The women's game is very physical, but freshmen and sophomores can be a lot more ready. But it's more importantly, though, I think it is, it's the stability within the programs because of the culture that exists across college basketball as a whole. It's not this weird trend in women's basketball. If you're not getting a bunch of tick, you're not just going to leave. Very rarely do, like, when we're covering the, the Montana, Montana State program, that's why it was so crazy, the, the rash of transfers that happened with the Lady Grizz the last couple of years, because there was obviously something that was causing these young ladies to walk away. Almost all of the departures I've seen at you know, during the Robin Selvig era at Montana or during the Trisha Binford era at Montana State are just very simple, defined things. It's not this mystery of why this player left. It's just that... I'm homesick, or I can't play at this level, or I got hurt. That's it. That's pretty mm-hmm. much all it is. And so there's nothing nefarious about it. We're up against it. We got to get out. We're going to continue this conversation in the second hour, but we got to get, uh, we got to take a break real quick because we have to get to our Treasure State Stars presented by Missoula Federal Electric Co op, as well as Parkside Credit Union. Treasure State Stars back after this. 
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect. To more. Give me butterflies, something the way looking through my eyes. Don't know if I'm gonna make it out alive. Fight so dirty, but you love so sweet. Talk so pretty, but you're hot. Hey, welcome back to Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Get you an update on Tiger Woods here in the top of the hour, but we got to rip through our Treasure State Stars because we got to get into that top of the hour. Got to obey the federal regulations, you know. We got to get that top of the hour break in. You know how that goes. The legal ideas, they would say. Pause 10 seconds for station identification. That's right. Oh, yeah. Riley Corcoran, he's a pro. He's the voice of the Grizz. He's joining me in studio as he does every Monday and Tuesday right here on Nuanez Now. It is time for our Treasure State Stars. Treasure State Stars presented in part by Missoula Electric Co-op. Missoula Electric Co-op providing 95% carbon-free footprints to their members. Missoula Electric Co-op is focused on renewable energy. They've created three community solar programs for their members to take part in and to benefit from. They're all over the place, but you can look up more great information. All you got to do is just go to Missoula Electric Co-op's website. Missoula Electric Co-op, they're also very, very proud to be local sponsors of all sports around the state of Montana. Treasure State Stars, we're going to get right into it. Number one, it's Alex Germer. This is the biggest no-brainer of his four appearances on the Treasure State Stars. It was transfixing. I wasn't even there in live and in person. I was just watching it via Twitter, and the guy, he could not miss. He made eight three-pointers by the middle of the second quarter. He had 10 three-pointers at halftime. By the midway point of the third quarter, he had 13 three-pointers. There was a point where... Uh, they were swinging it around against Big Sky Zone, Missoula Sentinel was, and he almost he he almost caught the ball out of bounds, and he just basically chucked it up, like a fadeaway three from his hip. Nothing but net. That's how you know you're feeling. He's 12 of 14 in the first half, finished 16 of 23 overall, 51 points, the second most in the history of Class AA. His 13 three-pointers, the most in the history of Class AA. Well, it was crazy. It was his coach, Coach Mack. He was in here yesterday, said he didn't know. Said he didn't, he didn't know. know about the record, and... He would have easily broke it if right. he would have known because and it wouldn't have been pouring salt in the wood. He would have just played two to three minutes in the start of the fourth and he would have gotten five more points. Alex Germer will be featured on our Garden City Spotlight tomorrow when Sean Rainey's here in town about 5.30 tomorrow afternoon, so be sure to tune in for that. Treasure State star number two. We're going to rip through it really quickly because we have to acknowledge all 11 of these young ladies. This is outstanding. The first Montana all-class High School Wrestling Tournament. They featured 11 individual state champions in order from weight class going up from 103 pounds all the way up to 285 pounds. We'll start at the bottom. Kaylin Taylor from Great Falls. Jasmine Gorder of Poplar. Jessica Gubler of Livingston Big Timber. Amaya Kern of Sydney. Skylar Conley of Valier. I missed a first name here, but Miss Wall of Cutbank, Lily Schultz of Bozeman Gallatin, Kendall Tucker of Billings Senior, Sophia Doolin of Baker, Cassidy Severia of Billings Skyview, and Omast Foster of Down the Bitter Valley, Florence Carlton High School. Congratulations to all 11 of those first-time-ever state champions. I was going to say, I don't think these young ladies realize the impact that they are going to have forever. Like Their names are in history, and so congratulations to all 11 of them. Should I say star number three, Drew Wyman. If you want to see a guy that can uh, entertain you, Drew Wyman is dunking on a, probably a better level than anybody I've seen in the Big Sky Conference. SWX Montana, you can go find it on their website. Just go to SWX Montana or ABC Fox website and just put in Drew, Drew Wyman, W-Y-M-A-N. They did a story all about his dunking. He's an amazing dunker. He's super fun to watch, and he's got great fall side rolling. He had 21 points as great falls. Uh, knocked off number five Bozeman resounding fashion, 70 to 33. Great Falls High, definitely a team to watch as we enter the postseason. Treasure Safe star number four, Kyla Momberg of Box Elder. She had 28 points, including 15 in the first quarter as the Bears earned the third place trophy at their district tournament over the weekend. They earn a berth in the divisionals with a 51 
33 romp over Turner. Treasure State star number five, Emma DeVries. She was the highest scoring young lady in the state of Montana over the weekend. She had 28 points as Roberts rallied for a from a 12-point halftime deficit to nip excuse me, plenty coup, 59-58 in the third place game. So they're also headed to the divisional tournament. And Treasure State star number six, Allie Cummings. She scored 15 points and Billings Senior rallied in the fourth quarter to surprise number three and previously unbeaten Billings West, 43-42. That senior win in a crosstown game, that ends West's 28-game winning streak dating back to last year. West, the co Class AA state champions. They did not get a chance to play that state championship game, but they last lost a conference game January 19th, 2019. So congratulations to Allie Cummings, but also congratulations to Billings West because that's an impressive streak. It is, and our thoughts and prayers are with Billings West right now with the tragedy that it went. I mean, that's just... It's unimaginable. So our thoughts and prayers are certainly with Billings West right now. I've got to keep my common theme going, Coulter. Guess the mascot here during Treasure State Stars. Hit me with it. Roberts. I don't know Roberts. Come on. It's one of the best. I, I don't know Roberts. See, I, I like going to the eastern side of the state. This is my wheelhouse. The Roberts Rockets. I love that. Yes. Roberts Rockets is a good one. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming at you hot. We're going to continue our conversation about the overlay and dichotomy between the Montana men and the Montana State women's basketball team. We're also going to talk spring football, and we're also going to talk the most recent polls. I like the polls. I start to love the polls this time of year because now the polls this time of year, they actually matter. We got 10, 12, 14, sometimes on the east side of the state and some of the small towns, 18, 19 games under our belts. So we're starting to see who is the best in high school basketball around the state of Montana. Listening to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 